0: pastors and Bible teachers be paid? Well, hear Dr. J. Vernon McGee's answer to this question as the Bible bus pulls up to Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you to join us as we continue our five-year journey through God's entire Word. Now, in our last study, Dr. McGee shared with us some introductory remarks on the devastating effects of pride. Today, he continues that discussion and focuses on the destruction that pride can have in the ministry. Let's listen now.
1: I mentioned the fact that pride is one of the sins of the ministry today. It's a polite sin that I've never heard of a preacher being tried for committing that sin, but we are guilty of it. Many of us have been guilty of that sin. And we get in the habit of using in our group certain Christian cliches, pious platitudes. As it were, you hear them today. You hear somebody, you know, say, praise the Lord. And really, it's just a filler for conversation. And they say other things today. I heard of the preacher on a Sunday morning. The congregation was going out and he was shaking hands with him. And one lady came by and said to him, Pastor, I enjoyed the sermon this morning. And he, in a pious manner, like many of us do, oh, don't thank me for the sermon, thank the Lord for the sermon. And she said, well, I thought of that, but it wasn't quite that good. So you see that these pious platitudes can get us in trouble sometime. And I did want to conclude that with a little poem that we have by Nagel, and we've used it many times And I'd like for you to hear it today. It says, You cannot put one little star in motion. You cannot shape one single forest leaf, nor fling a mountain up, nor sink an ocean. Presumptuous pygmy, large with unbelief. You cannot bring one dawn of regal splendor, nor bid the day to shadowy twilight fall, nor send the pale moon forth forth with radiance tender, and dare you doubt the one who has done it all? May I say to you, the fact that our God is the Creator, as well as the Redeemer of man, that is something that should keep us humble in these days in which we live. And that was the message Paul gave last time in Galatians, the sixth chapter And now we want to come to our study today. Let's pray and thank the Lord
0: for this time together. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence rejoicing in your goodness and mercy towards us. Impress upon our hearts what you want us to know and to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time for our study of Galatians 6 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
1: Now, if you have your Bible... Open it to Galatians 6 at verse 6. And this is a very important place, by the way, to put in. And I trust that you have there the text so that you can follow along with us. Now look here at verse 6, will you? And this is probably the bluntest verse that you'll find in the Bible. Now Paul really put it on the line here. He says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now, the word here for communicate is actually the word koinonia, which means sharing. It means taking part and sharing the things of Christ together. And it really does not mean to ask somebody to give but to share and what he's saying very bluntly is this pay your preacher does he share spiritual things with you well if someone ministers to you spiritual benefits minister to him of material benefits if god has blessed you materially and you are being blessed by someone spiritually then you ought to minister to them. Now, this is put on a grace basis of sharing. But believe me, friends, when you go into the grocery store and you take down a loaf of bread, then you go over to the meat counter and you get a nice T-bone steak or a roast, and you start going by the cashier's place without paying for it, you will have trouble. And no one thinks anything about that in the world. But... When someone ministers to your spiritual things and then you go by the counter and don't pay and don't share, actually, why the Word of God says you're to share with them. That's the reason I say from time to time, wherever you're getting your blessing, that is the place that you should support. If you've got a good Bible church, you support it. By the way, it could even be a radio program. If you're being ministered to, then you should minister because that's the way God intends it to be because we shouldn't attempt to be as one party wrote me and sent in a gift, said, I'm tired of being a freeloader. We appreciate that. And this idea today of saying on the radio program, everything that we offer is free and then they turn around and ask you to send in something, it really doesn't mean free. And very candidly, I think that we ought to be very frank today. I have to pay for radio time. The stations insist on that. We have to pay a printing bill here. And the post office always makes us pay for the stamps that we use. And we have a light bill and a water bill and gas bill. And there are several bills we have to pay. And there's no use me beating around the bush. We just have to pay them if we're going to continue to send out the Word of God. And... I think Paul's just being very blunt here. Let him that's taught in the Word communicate. The Word, koinonia, share with the one that teaches you in all things. I guess you think I bore down on that a little too much, but I guess this probably is a little more personal than some others might be. But let me keep moving now. He says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, here is one of these remarkable passages of Scripture that I think needs to be considered today. He puts down here a great principle, and we find that he's saying here, Behold, a reaper went forth to reap. The Lord Jesus told about a sower that went forth to sow. But also, the Bible tells about, Behold, a reaper went forth to reap. There was a visitor one time in a penitentiary, passed by a cell where a man was patching his prison garb, and he was sewing with a needle. And this visitor looked in and wanted to start up a conversation. He said to the prisoner, "says What are you doing? Sewing?" And the prisoner looked up, said, "No, reaping. <laughs> That's the point. The principle is stated here." Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, this is an immutable, irrevocable, invariable, unalterable, never revoked, never can be changed one iota. And it's applicable, I think, to every sphere and field of life. You take it into the field of agriculture and horticulture. A man sows corn, he gets corn. And you never did pick squash on a walnut tree. And a watermelon vine goes out 20 feet in a direction. And never has it been known for a watermelon vine to make the mistake of putting a pumpkin out there. Always puts a watermelon. And they are finding wheat and the tombs down in Egypt. And they were there 5,000 years ago. And you know what happens? You sow it, it comes up wheat. It just didn't forget in 5,000 years. The principle is what you sow, you're going to reap. And there's so many men in the Bible that are illustrations of that. Jacob deceived his father. He pretended to be the elder when he was actually the younger. And you remember he put on that goat skin on his hand. His father felt him. And I think also smelt him, by the way. And that doesn't speak well for Esau. He's an outdoor man. He smelled like a goat, apparently. And Jacob deceived his father. Then he ran away from home, went down with his uncle Laban, and he thought he'd got by with deceiving his father. But you see, God says what you sow, you reap. You won't reap something similar. You reap the identical thing. What happened? Down there, he fell in love with Rachel, served seven years for her. They had the wedding, and when he lifted the veil, what did he have? He didn't have Rachel, the younger daughter. He had Leah, the older daughter, and she wasn't quite as good-looking as Rachel, by the way. And I have a notion that this boy Jacob on his honeymoon learned a real lesson. And the lesson was that the way he had deceived his father, he pretended to be the elder when he was the younger. Now he's given the older when he thought he was getting the younger. Believe me, chickens do come home to roost. And you remember Ahab and Jezebel, they thought they'd get by with it. They were king and queen. They took Naboth's vineyard, and they thought, my, we'll get by with it. But Elijah said, you'll not get by with it. Right where you slew Naboth, the blood of Ahab will be spilled, and the dogs will lick it up. Well, you couldn't believe that had come true. Well, Ahab says, I'll stay away from this place then. But you see, he was wounded in battle, fatally. Told his charioteer to take him out of the battle. Where did he bring him? Well, just by chance, brought him to the field, in Naboth, right at the spot where Naboth had been slain. And that's where this man died. And they washed the chariot, and the dogs licked up the blood. Paul was at the stone in a Stephen, lead in it, And they stoned him over in Lystra and Derby when he got over in the Galatian country. Well, somebody says, but he became a Christian. His sins are forgiven. Oh, yes, They're forgiven. But this is a law of God, always works. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. And that's been true of many men. Lord Byron said, My life is in the yellow leaf. The fruits and flowers of love are gone. But the worm, the canker, and the grief are mine alone. Chickens do come home to roost. Dr. Robert Lee, great preacher, years ago in Memphis, Tennessee, had a famous sermon, Payday Someday. And he took up the old Jezebel to illustrate it. May I say to you, it's been always true. But somebody said again, but you're a Christian. No, I remember hearing Mel Trotter, the great evangelist. He was a converted drunkard. And we had him for an evangelistic meeting in Nashville, Tennessee. And one night we went to a place called Candyland. Everybody ordered a great big old sloppy banana split or some sort of a milkshake or malt or like that. He ordered a little bit of glass of carbonated water. And everybody began to rib him about it, kid him. And so they asked him the reason. I never shall forget what he said. He says, when the Lord gave me a new heart at my conversion, he did not give me a new stomach. I'm paying for those years of drinking. May I say to you, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap don't be deceived. God's not mocked. You don't get by with it. You'll never get by with it. And I wish that could be told. A lot of young people today that go on drugs, a lot of young people today in taking easy sex. And of course, some of them are already beginning to reap that. Venereal disease is an epidemic stage in California, we are told. Why? Because God says you don't get by with it. I don't care what you do. I don't care how many pills you take. And All that sort of God says, you're going to reap it, my friend. Why? Because God is not mocked. When you sow corn, he's going to see to it corn comes up. When you sow sin, it'll come up. Somebody says, I got converted. All right, you're still going to have a payday someday. You still are going to reap what you sow. Well, we better move away from that. That's very strong, as you can see. And that is something that today that he's making applicable here to the Christian. He says, he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall do what? Well, he shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, reaping life everlasting means the fruits of the Spirit and means the glorious prospect of the future. I think a great many Christians really ought to be fearful of the return of Christ for his own. Because we go before the judgment seat of Christ, give an account of the things done in the flesh. My friend, you may be saved, but it could be very embarrassing for you in that day when you give an account of your life to him. And John mentions the fact that it's possible to be ashamed at his appearing. Because if you're going to live in the flesh and produce the things of the flesh, now I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I don't think you do. But you're sure going to lose a reward And you're going to see that very candidly, it's going to be a pretty dark day for you to stand before him. But now there's the other side of the coin here, and it's the bright side. He put up the red light. Now he puts up the green light. Notice verse 9. Now here is something for your comfort and your encouragement. And notice what he says. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, Christian friend, may I say this to you. And I know I'm speaking today out yonder to folk that say, as a father said to me some time ago, I'm concerned about my boys. A doctor said that to me. He says, The tide is against me. Schools are against me. Other parents seem to be against me, and friends are. But he says, I want to raise my boys right. And you sow the right seed, friend. You'll reap it. Just be patient, he says. Let us not be weary in well-doing. When the time comes, do season, and you'll reap. You can't go out and cut grain in Kansas in January. you got to wait till the time of reaping comes. So just keep sowing, brother. You're having your problems and difficulties today. Well, keep sowing the word of God. And the Lord says the word of God will not return to him void like rain that comes down from heaven. And you sow it. It'll bring the harvest in at the right time. You remember, Abraham believed God, and he walked with God in the land of Canaan, and the Canaanite was then in the land. He was an idolater and wicked man. And then there came this little boy, Isaac, in his home, and he grew up there, became a grown man. One day, Abraham took him under top of Mount Moriah. And what happened? Well, he offered him there, but God wouldn't let him go through with it, and Abraham sowed to the Spirit, and he reaped life everlasting. Jochebed, she was the mother of Moses down yonder in Egypt. She taught that little boy of hers, but she became his nursemaid. And Egypt was against her, and paganism was against her, and pleasures of Egypt were against her, and the philosophy of Egypt and the religion of Egypt, everything was against her. But she told Moses about Abraham. And she told Moses about God's call and purpose, and she saw him grow up to look like an Egyptian next to Pharaoh. But one day there came that time when he forsook the pleasures of Egypt (laughs) and the sin of Egypt, and he went out and took his place with God's people. May I say to you, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. There's that man David. His sin is glaring. We think of him as a cruel man. I know that when I talked about David some time ago, I had letters from all over the country, and they just said, my, how terrible that fellow is, and you defended him. Well, I did. You know, it's interesting. You can put a drop of ink on a white linen tablecloth, and you can see it almost a mile away, but a drop of ink can fall on a black suit, and it's not noticed. And the reason that David is noticed, all the other kings were living it up, David committed one sin that just stands out. And he had a heart for God. And even in his confession, he reveals his hunger and thirst for God. As the heart panteth after the water, bro, he says, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. And you know, he became the standard and pattern for the kings in his line. It's a human standard, but he became the standard. Why? Because if you're going to sow, you're going to reap friends. He paid the penalty. He had sorrow in his home. But I want to tell you, God made him the example for every king after that. This is a marvelous passage of Scripture. So wherever you are and whoever you are today, you may say, I'm in a hard place. Well, you sow the Word of God, and God will see to it you're going to reap one of these days. And you can't reap until it's harvest, friends. You have to wait till then but we need to be faithful in sowing the seed because as a law of God. God's not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you'll reap. Now, if you'll sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. You sow to the flesh, it's going to be corruption, friends, one of these days. Now, he moves on. He says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. We ought to be do-gooders. Now, I recognize today that liberalism, the entire religion of liberalism, is the do-good religion. But very candidly, I don't think they do much good. Now, when the cameras were down in Watts, the liberal was very much in evidence there. That was during the time of the riots. We had already started years ago a school down there. It's running down there today. The liberal has left because the TV cameras are not down there anymore. He's not doing anything. Our school is still in existence. Now, I believe in doing good. But you've got to have the right foundation under the do-gooder process, friends. And the thing is to put all of the epistle of Galatians, the gospel of the grace of God, and walking in the Spirit of God. And when that takes place and the fruit of the Spirit is produced... And my friend, you're going to do good. Do good to all men, especially do good to believers today. Oh, how important this is. This brings us now, friends, to the last major division of the epistle to the Galatians. We come now to the autograph conclusion, beginning at chapter 6, verse 11, through the rest of it. We have now, in verse 11, Paul's own handwriting. And then we'll see Paul's own testimony. And then the cross of Christ versus circumcision. And then Christ's handwriting on Paul's body. In other words, there are three handwritings that are mentioned here. Now, the first one that he mentions is here in verse 11. He says, ye see how large a letter I've written unto you with mine own hand. Now, the large letter here doesn't mean it's a long letter. It means it's written with big letters. And Paul wrote the epistle to the Galatians himself. Now, in Romans, Paul had a secretary. He dictated it. And at the end, the secretary, Paul said to him, if you want to put in your two bits worth, put it in. And so he said, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you. Paul says, tell him hello. But not in Galatians. He's not telling anybody hello here. He's been angry, you know because they've been mixing the gospel with law. And when you do that, you absolutely destroy the gospel of the grace of God. Now he'd written this epistle. He didn't wait for a secretary to arrive. And he says, you see how large letters, not a letter, not a long letter, but letters. And why did he use large letters? Because, friends, Paul was partially blind. I studied Shakespeare under a very wonderful Shakespeare scholar, But he was partially blind. And he used to put the book right up to his nose and run it back and forth. I didn't see how the man could read it. But imagine studying Romeo and Juliet, a man running the book right in front of his eyes. But that's the way he did it. And he sure could teach Romeo and Juliet, by the way. Well, Paul has written, apparently, because he had eye trouble, I believe that was his problem, that he's now written large letters. And when this teacher would hand back a paper to us, it was always in big letters. Whatever grades you got, you sure got it in big letters. And he never was able to comment very much because he'd use up the whole outside of the paper making just one or two words he wrote so large. Well, Paul apparently is writing like that. Now, Paul says, you see what large letters I've written unto you. Now, we're going to go on from here, and when we do... We are going to see in conclusion next time that there are two other handwritings that we have here, and they're very important. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved.
0: In the Old Testament and in the New, we continue to see that we truly do reap what we sow. What are you sowing today? Would you like to join through the Bible as we sow the seed of God's Word in more than 200 languages worldwide? If you want to pray along with us, join the World Prayer Team at ttb.org forward slash pray. Or to provide the Bible bus maybe with a tank of gas or a new set of tires as we journey through God's Word together, you can call us at 1-865-BIBLE or visit us at ttb.org. Next time, we conclude our study in the book of Galatians, and then we return to the Old Testament for a study in the Psalms. Make sure to have Dr. McGee's notes and outlines for Psalms with you. You can do that by downloading a free copy of our digital book, Briefing the Bible, at ttb.org forward slash briefing the Bible. You can also find that on Kindle. And if you'd like to get a sneak peek of our study in Psalms, visit the resources section of ttb.org and download our new Bible Companion for Psalms. Now, by the way, Briefing the Bible and our Bible Companions are only some of the many great resources we offer to help you dig into God's Word. So check them all out at the resources section at ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help direct you to the right one for your needs. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you right back here as we continue this great adventure through the Bible.
1: Jesus
0: Today's study is always available, free to stream or download, thanks to the generous and faithful investments from your fellow Bible bus travelers. Just go to ttb.org or download our app to listen again anytime. As always, we'd love to know what's God teaching you.